Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there, across from me, in a, in the Hyatt Regency in Baltimore, Maryland, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am exhausted, as I'm sure you are as well. Um, we've had, uh, if you've noticed, we haven't put out an episode since Monday. Uh, we said that the next episode was definitely going to be in person, and. Uh, We've we've been doing quite a bit, Chris. You want to you want to delve dive into what we've been doing over the past week? Yeah, and when you say exhausted, it's like a good exhaust. It is a very yeah. It's like a we've been very productive, exhausted. Yeah. So uh, Daniel and I are at Society for American Baseball Research's fiftieth uh, convention, fiftieth national convention. Uh, it's in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, it's been you know the 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 days have been extremely long. Um, unless you, unless you sleep in, of course. Unless you, unless your, unless your phone dies while you uh, are sleeping and <laughs> and your alarms don't go off. Um, but yeah, it it the presentations. There's just a variety of presentations. There's always like two or three going on at the same time. Uh, they go from eight a.m. to like four p.m. and uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff you can learn. And it's I've learned. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot in this uh, in this past three days. Yeah, this has been a, a really cool opportunity that Chris and I have both been gifted um, to to go to Saber Fifty. Uh, it's been like we've met some pretty cool people here, uh, some of which might possibly be future ARR alums. Yeah. In the making, that's that was very exciting for the uh, for those people, which hopefully you'll be seeing some of soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got a got a lot of information out. We actually met we met Mark Simon in person. That's probably yeah. the most important thing that came out of this week. Yeah, Mark Simon's here. Yeah, which I don't know why we didn't think of that, but he's here. <laughs> we didn't we did not plan to see each other. We did not know he was coming. He did not know we were coming. We were just at a you know a little luncheon on uh, Thursday, and we were like, "Is that Mark Simon? Yeah, <laughs> is that the defensive <laughs> correspondent for ARR right there?" Yeah, uh, so we went over and said hi. That was very cool. We've seen him uh, a couple times throughout yeah. the week. I saw him uh, earlier this morning when I was getting breakfast. Yeah, he's been interacting with us the whole time, which is which is fun. Um, yeah, he I, he was actually at um, the baseball records committee meeting uh, with me, and he was like, oh, nice. he was like the row in front of me, just. <laughs> he's like, oh, this this presenter is great. I've seen I've seen him do like seven or eight, and I'm like, of course, <laughs> so perfect. You know, we saw him. He was like, he's like, this is the first for you guys because we have like little ribbons on our on our uh, lanyards that say first time attendee, and every first time attendee gets that. And he's like, this is like my seventh or eighth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which makes sense. It just it's I don't know why I wouldn't have expected to see Mark Simon here. Like this is this is his type of place, and it's been yeah. very cool because. Obviously, we love him. We've talked to him a couple times, and getting to see him in person was has been a very cool experience. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, um, he's uh, he he made a uh, he he referred us to somebody, which is good. Yes. Yeah. Some. <laughs> um, 
which is really good. We could get into that maybe later. Who knows? Um, and yeah, also humble brag for us is along with first time attendee, uh, first time attendee, uh, what is it called? Um, ribbon. Yes. We have a Yozalov scholarship, um, uh, ribbon, which means we got in for free because we applied as students. We presented for a Sabre regional chapter. It went pretty well. And, you know, we went very well. Yeah, we, we, and we have this, uh, we have this podcast also, which is good for the resume. So, yeah, we were able to be one of 10 Yozalov scholars. There are probably, by the way, there are probably some, uh, Sabre people that are listening because, uh, we shout out the podcast to a couple people, some of them also being Yozalov scholars. So, uh, if we met you at Saber and you're here for the first time, welcome. It was really great to meet you, whoever you are. Uh, I hope our I hope our paths will cross again another time one day. Absolutely, and also like it is good to see how many smart baseball people our age are out there. I mean, like the other scholars are mostly like we're we're journalism people. We're not data analytics people. There's a lot of data data analytics people. Uh, some of the scholars are from like Duke, Clemson, um, BU. One, yeah, BU. Uh, and he actually presented here. Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah, there's some. Fantastic there's one people. one guy who's not a scholar, but I know, like just graduated, was a guy you know who did data analytics at University of Tennessee for the. Yes. Pretty sure for the baseball team. Um, pretty wild stuff, and uh, I mean, there's some presenters here that are like our age that. You could see working in front offices. Yeah, no, we definitely met a lot of future GMs and uh, scouting directors and yeah. assistant you know, GMs. We're, we met a lot of smart people this week, and I'm not going to lie, I felt very humbled at a lot of points, yeah. because like, okay, I, I don't want to sound too arrogant here, but everywhere Chris and I have gone up until this point, we've been told that we are like the smartest baseball people in the room. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to sound cocky, but that's just how we've always known that's, life. That's what, you know, prof- professors are like that. I mean... Peers of ours. Peers of ours, yeah. Have said that, but... <laughs> I mean, all this week, I was like, wow, I'm not even close. Which is cool. Like, it's yeah. cool, because we get to pick... You know, we got to pick some people's brains uh, this week. Yeah. Um, and we got to make some good connections, and it was just a really good experience. And uh, unfortunately, we are both flying back home tomorrow, uh, the last day of the... Uh, convention was t- tonight yeah yeah it, it was and um and yeah speaking of the of the us not being the smartest baseball people in the room like we both did trivia we did <laughs> individual trivia and team trivia, team trivia which was just and, us. I mean, we were getting knocked out of the water by <laughs> just Everyone. not not even not even like scholars or presenters just regular attendees that are <laughs> coming here and know so much about baseball. Yeah, which is, like we we won't know, but we very well may have gotten dead last in team trivia. We may have. Which, yes. to be fair, it was only us two on a team, and there were several teams like four or five people. Yeah. Um, when we had a, we have a combined age that's probably less than the average age of the, the attendees <laughs> in general. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Those are people that are just baseball lifers, which yeah. is very cool. I think just the amount of love for baseball that was in that was in this convention was just. You know, anytime you walked by someone and you can overhear a conversation, it was about baseball every single time. Uh, several people just wearing, like, random jerseys, like, baseball, very specific shirts. 
Yeah, um, I've, I've seen a couple like Washington Senators hats. Yep. I saw a Homestead Grays jersey today. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like yeah, de- like uh, dead ball era jerseys. I've, I've seen plenty of. Um, and well, I, I went to a presentation today about the Seattle Pilots. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know one, you know one presentation you're. You can learn about like the 1918 American League pennant race, and then the next you're learning about like uh, pitch tracking and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I know that I just said I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say something right now that's gonna sound cocky. But being at this convention this week, I think I felt like how other people feel talking to us. Yep. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. Yeah, because the amount of how do you know that? Like that went through my head this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been told that before. Like people, people talk about like when I was at I was at like a Black Sox scandal meeting and people <laughs> are talking about the nineteen nineteen World Series like it happened last year. Yeah, it's the 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 level of knowledge is like is uh, absolutely insane and uh, inspiring in a way. In a um, way. I don't know how much. I mean, it's Society for American Baseball Research, so obviously people. You know, people will do all their research over time. I don't know how far in advance they do these researches because uh, Boog Powell from the Baltimore Orioles, legendary player, a 134 career OPS plus, uh, did a Q and A uh, today, and someone went up to the podium and went, "Tell me about that inside the park home run you had in 1969." <laughs> and you know, I don't know how far in advance that person knew of that inside the park home run. Yeah. But I would like to think they did not research it five minutes before he came in. Yeah, no. I know they didn't. There's no way. Definitely not. Definitely not. There was also one guy that said, "I'm like, you played left field for like 14 games in '66. Like, do you have any memories playing left field? Because he was a first baseman. <laughs> uh, it, stuff like that was just like, you just got to sit back and laugh. Yeah, it's it's true lifers. True lifers. Uh, yeah, it's coming to this thing, and especially from an Orioles perspective because we are in Baltimore. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's there's some hardcore O's O's fans in the building, which and is good to see. They're very happy about yeah their turnaround. Baltimore as a whole is up. Like, yeah, we were we at Cam- were- Yeah, well, you've been in Camden the last three days. I yes. was at Camden uh, yesterday, and I mean, we witnessed a, a game in which the Orioles won. They scored 15 runs. They hit five home runs. So we heard. Camden roaring a lot. Well, there was over thirty thousand people there. Yeah, <laughs> thirty-three. I think there was thirty-four thousand today. Like there, there. The only places that weren't packed to the gills were like the upper, like third left field deck. I think they just don't sell tickets and yeah. like the 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 top left field deck because yeah. nobody sat there any of the days I was there. Yeah, they also don't have security up there, so I had a ticket. They just don't sell tickets there. Yeah. But still, uh, seeing Baltimore in person, incredible. Uh, yeah. The most impressive part about the crowd at the Orioles games was, you know, it was a, it was an Orioles-Red Sox game, and Red Sox fans travel well. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time the Red Sox scored, there would be a Let's Go Red Sox chant that started up, and Orioles fans would just completely silence it with boos yeah. every single time. And they were louder. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a home game for them, but they were louder, and like I can't, I couldn't have pictured that happening in any other year since like 2016. Yeah, they they pounced all over it. And yeah, which is cool. Like Baltimore is a baseball town in their back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I also, mean, there's a. I met my favorite baseball fan of all time. <laughs> uh, so we were sitting. Uh, 
like behind home plate near the press box, and there's this guy who sits in the last row right below the press box, uh, who's at who from what I've gathered is at every single Orioles home game sits in the same seat, probably a season tickets. Uh, he like you know he uh, keeps score of the game like he does the score book and stuff. And I always I've always had a lot of respect for people that do the book just for fun. Yeah, because like I've done it before and it's really not that easy. Yep. And it can just be very grueling and distracting. But, like, the people right. that will go to Major League Games and do it, like, I love that. Like, I yeah. live for that. Um, but this guy does it. But then every single time there's a defensive change, whether it's a pitching change or, like, lineup changes where, you know, defense, like, people shift on defense, this guy will stand up and yell it to the whole <laughs> crowd. Anyone within earshot yeah. will get, like, Ladies and gentlemen, now pitching for the Orioles. Number 74, Felix Batista. Yeah, yeah. And then he'll continue with, now playing second base. <laughs> it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. so cool. Your, one of your best comments of the night was like, imagine this guy at the All-Star game. Yeah. <laughs> when, like, if the fourth inning comes, they change around the whole defense. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's also a little alarming the first time you hear it when you hear ladies and gentlemen at top volume. It's like, what is about to happen right now? <laughs> but uh, but no. no, it's just... it's just. I think I think every team needs a guy like that. Yeah, he's like Camden Yards' uh, Bruce or Michael Buffer. Yeah. He's, he just needs a microphone that drops down from the press box. <laughs> it's so great. The funny thing is, like, you know, there will be the, the normal PA announcement that goes out to the whole stadium, like, during the pitching change when, like, the music's still playing in the background. He will wait until it's silent. Like, if there's a little... Like, I saw him today. He stood up when Garrett Whitlock came in to pitch and the music was kind of still going. And he and you could tell he was like, oh, I gotta wait, I gotta wait. And the second the music stopped, he started it. And it was just so great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he seems to be a master of his craft, no yeah, doubt. That's that dude's a baseball lifer, like if I've ever seen one. Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen a lot of them. I think there's, I know there's a they like they announced it at the Saber convention, but there's 175 new attendees, which makes me imagine what the total number of attendees are, and probably has to be in the 400s, 500s, maybe. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, there's a good amount of people, and it's it's funny, like you think. You'll see a face and you think that's just a random fan, and then it's like they're presenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a kind of funny how that is. But like, since there's so many present presenters, you know, you have a lot of downtime and you can go to so many presentations before you present your own thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. There's some fascinating, fascinating stuff here at Saber Fifty. Um, it was really dope. Yes, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, as we go into the world of baseball, as it is today, um, some news, uh, you know, as we're talking, we're actually watching Braves-Astros, um, and the Braves are down one with Marcelo Zuna, uh, apparently got a DUI, um, and, uh, you know, was arrested for a DUI, obviously, not a great track record the past couple of years. He had a uh, he had a domestic uh, abuse charge. Um, there's vis- video evidence um, last year, uh, which was not not good. So he ended up coming back though. He ended up coming back. I mean, he he was out for the rest of the 2021 season, basically. For, yeah, for the rest of the 2021 season, and then he's back this year and he gets a DUI. 
yeah, uh, this is just an awful look for Ozuna, for the Braves organization. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's weird because you can't blame the Braves for signing a guy that happened to get arrested twice. Yeah. You know, that usually doesn't happen with yeah. Major League Baseball players. And, like, it's weird because I don't know Ozuna personally, so I can't talk of any possible warning signs or if he was just always a bad guy that just was waiting to get caught. Um, but, I mean, the DUI is obviously bad. I don't know if you saw the video that went out, but, um, like, there was, like, dash or like body cam footage of the police officer. As he walked up, he was like, I'm Ozuna from the Braves. Um, which, given his recent play, probably not the best, uh, probably <laughs> not like, the best way oh, to identify great. yourself. <laughs> yeah, that guy hitting 150. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna... <laughs> We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to really uh, put yeah. him in court for a while here. Yeah. He was going like, yeah, it was a forty. I don't know how fast he was going, but I know it was a forty-five mile an hour speed limit zone. Uh, so I can't imagine he was, you know, he was taking it easy there. Um, and obviously, if he was, you know, if, if he was intoxicated, that's a big, huge issue. Um, I really do wonder how what, what, that contract was four years, right? Yes, yeah. four years, so, eighty million. There, it's halfway done after this year. Um, I don't think the Braves can void it at this point. Yeah, no. Because I, I remember they couldn't last year, uh, so I don't know why they would be able to this year. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, it really like with um, hindsight being twenty twenty here, like it really provides a big blow for like Braves fans knowing that like. They signed this guy for $20 million a year. They let Freeman go. If Ozuna wasn't in that lineup, there's a, you know, they probably would have uh, pursued Freeman a lot more. I mean, we know that there was a weird thing with the agent and... Or, there might have been. There's reports there might have of been. Yeah, I don't want to say that that definitely happened. Yeah, there's reports of that. Um, you know, that there's, a, there's a story going on with that. Um but knowing that, knowing that, yeah, they paid eighty million dollars to this guy, twenty million a year, when they, you know, may have, you know, the next year Freddie Freeman was a free agent, um, and they didn't get him. I know they did end up getting Matt Olson, but, um, but they didn't get uh, Freddie Freeman. So, yeah, I mean, probably probably a, a blow for Braves fans in general. No doubt, no doubt. Um... It does suck to think that they may have chosen Ozuna over Freeman. Um, yeah, that's true. Because, you know, the conversations we were having back then, it felt like they could only choose one. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd say in any situation where you have Ozuna, and I don't want to say, you know, I don't, when I say Ozuna, I don't want you to think of the legal action. I just, like, think of the player for now. Yeah. Ozuna versus Freeman, who's been there for, you know, 11 years at the time, has, is, has shown no signs of slowing down, and is older, which would mean less total dollars. Like, you should probably pick Freeman there. I know that there was a year of separation, so, you know, it's not like they, it's not like they did that at the same time. And obviously, you know, this is hindsight, of course, but they didn't need Ozuna to, for them to win the World Series. You know, they did it without him. They did it without him. They did it without Acuna. Obviously, those are two wildly different circumstances that are not comparable at all whatsoever. But, 
I mean, you know, one of those two guys was clearly more, clearly more important to the franchise. Yeah. Obvious stuff aside. Yeah. Because they won the World Series with one of them, and the other one was out basically the whole year. Yeah. Uh, very much so. And I mean, um, yeah, maybe there was a there there very well or definitely how I viewed it was at the at the time was like oh they chose Ozuna over Freeman a little bit like maybe not fully uh, a binary thing there but I mean I guess to Atlanta's defense they did go out and get Olsen and sign him and I know it wasn't worth more per year but signed him to more total dollars mm-hmm. than Freeman and there's a situation with free you know Freeman rejecting something that maybe he thought was the offer but wasn't the offer again all alleged mm-hmm. um, but but yeah I mean all in all you have a guy taking up or it was a uh, it wasn't four years 80 million it was four years 65 I'm looking now at the okay I guess that's not country. as bad but it's also not, that definitely doesn't make it look good for the Freeman stuff yeah it doesn't and uh, I mean yeah they, they owe him 18 million in 2023 and 18 million in 2024 um, and yeah I mean the Braves will be fine yeah no doubt about it I mean they have they're probably better without him now like he was yeah. a, he was a, a liability in that lineup over, yeah. the, over the stretch I mean he had um, baseball reference where he had negative 1.3 yeah more. they just gotta win better yeah <laughs> it's like when you talk about a you know trade deadline additions it's like the Braves they got Rysel Iglesias they got Robbie Grossman and they got rid of Marcelo Zuna <laughs> which you know not that they got rid of him of course it's not like that but he's not gonna be a part of that team at for the rest of the year, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... I almost feel like it might just be worth a release at this point. Yeah. It, like, it, you know, you don't have to swallow too many dollars. Um, especially now that a lot of these big deals that you're signing have been very backloaded, you can probably afford uh, to release a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... I mean... Yeah, with Ozuna, like... If it was... If it was a DUI on its own, you know, I don't think, I don't think that really prompts a release. Sometimes guys get into that, but I mean, he's just had it's been twice. along along with a, a, like a way worse thing last year. Like now he's doing this. It clearly shows that like he's still <laughs> he's still not being responsible. I guess is the yeah. is the way to put it. Nothing good has happened with Marcelo Zuna ever since that extension. Like, I don't even remember how he played in 2021, but he it was wasn't... slightly alarming, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Uh, I mean, I definitely know he wasn't, like, outstanding by any means, and yeah. obviously the Braves, you know, they clearly didn't need him. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, during this and contract... obviously there were... Yeah. During this contract, he has a 653 OPS, 76 OPS plus. Yeah, that's not good. Not great. No, not good at all. Um... Yeah, that's just... It's weird because the Braves have had so many great contracts lately, but this one, this one really, really bad one is one of the worst in baseball right now. Uh, yeah, very true. From a PR standpoint, standpoint from a production standpoint, it yeah. just does not look good on all fronts. Exactly, exactly. Um, and one of the positive contracts that could come out was just signed, mm-hmm. um as we get into uh, our next topic with Michael Harris the second uh, getting an eight year 72 million dollars with club options with club options that's the most insane part of this that's very true yeah because 
Because, like, you know... The Braves will get to decide if they want to continue with that contract or not. Yeah, because... Which, in turn, will be 10 years, 102 million. Right. If, many, with, with, with options all completed. How many club options? Is it two? I think it's two. So if it's two, like, if they pick up those club options, they've bought out four years of free agency from Michael Harris <laughs> II. Um, For yeah. a total of $102 million. Yeah, yeah. Which is... That's wild. Because, like, I mean, let's say, I don't know. I don't know how much, we obviously will never know how much he would have gotten in arbitration. Let's say, I don't know, maybe he gets, like, four year, four million at ARB1. Let's just, let's just say it, it goes, like, uh, in a parallel order. Four year, then eight, or four mil, then eight mil, then 12 mil. That's $24 million. Yeah. Plus the, plus free agency, which who knows how much he would have gotten there, but... This is such a this is such a save of money for the Braves, like it always has been. I also find it amazing that the Braves were able to detect which players, like which top prospects they have, are worth keeping and which aren't. Like think about Christian Pache, who was a top like twenty prospect in the league, you know, at his height as a prospect, who yeah. is now on the Oakland A's. Obviously, it took a lot. Obviously, it got a lot in giving him away, and they also gave up a lot more in that deal than just him. But I mean, if this Braves lineup had Christian Patre over Michael Harris a second. That's a worse team right now. Yes, yes, very true. And not only that, but look at Drew Waters, who just got traded to the Kansas City Royals. Right. He was a top prospect. Yeah. Braves are more than fine without him, and they got Michael Harris the second, who they could have easily done the same thing with, who they've now locked up for possibly a decade. Yeah. Michael Harris, um, also, if you're unfamiliar, I mean, he's a rookie. He's a, a center fielder. Uh, lefty lefty hitter. He's hitting 288 with an 826 OPS and a 125 OPS plus. 15 stolen bases. Hasn't been caught stealing yet. And, defense though. And defense is uh, pretty quality. It's above quality. He is 91st percentile in outs above average, uh, which is uh, he has five outs above average, and I don't think that even includes his arm. He doesn't need rocket the ball pretty well oh too. yeah he yeah does. he's got like I'm, i was wondering if i had the wrong he's like arguably a five tool player at this point yeah he's he's uh he's pretty wild and i mean like definitely showing great uh great ability in atlanta and i mean he's he's probably um his teammate spencer strider's biggest competition for rookie of the year mm-hmm. and uh and yeah braves just got him for 72 million which i the fact that the him getting first or second in Rookie of the Year that just doesn't matter now. Yep. Like, you know, it'll be good for him just for the accolade, but, you know, the whole incentive of getting a full year of service time just does not exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. But even with Spencer Strider, like, I'm pre- was, I'm pretty sure he was on the opening day roster anyway. Uh, he definitely yeah. was. So it doesn't matter for him either because he's getting that full year of service time regardless. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, in, in the new... The only, the only person it really matters with... Uh, that's like possibly going to finish top two in either league is probably Adley Rushman. Yeah, because Julio Rodriguez, he he started opening day, and yeah. if Jeremy Pena makes a comeback, he still started on opening day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that is because that's relevant because the new CBA has an an incentive for players to uh, get first or second in Rookie of the Year by giving them uh, or by. Taking away a what year of, by taking away a year of control 
uh, if they didn't start the the year with the team. Um, Dansby Swanson, pop up, pop up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a valuable asset. It, like, you know, you with Harrison Acuna are gonna be there for what? Harrison Acuna. Oh, in outfield, yeah. Are gonna be there for five years at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plus Ozzy Albies, plus Austin Riley, plus uh, Matt Olson, plus Spencer Strider, who you know is just starting uh, his service time clock now. Plus Vaughn Grissom, who's been coming up in the last couple of weeks and has looked good. Yeah, it's so wild how far the Braves have come since we yeah. talked about if their championship window was over last yeah. year because now their championship window might be open for the rest of the decade. Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, is such an incredible turnaround because it's wild. Like I've mentioned before, their farm system is one of the worst in baseball, but every one of the guys they have works in the majors. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't have busts. Everyone comes up and just produces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they're they're like the um the heck is that? Um it's a person. It's a person. Um, yeah, they're like the um, like the Philadelphia Phillies of, or no, the Los Angeles Angels of farm systems. Yeah, <laughs> lots of you know got some star power, but the rest is not is not uh, very deep. Exactly. Yeah, like the guys, <laughs> it's it's so wild how that works. But hey, credit to Atlanta, they're uh, doing a good job over there of keeping the core together and also just developing a lot of good young talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Harris Harris has been like a little overlooked cuz he is kind of a do it do it uh every way type guy. Um I'm curious. Yeah, he has 3.0 baseball reference wins above replacement and like I mean his arm is very much a factor in his defense, so I feel like while you're, while you're searching that, like I'm very curious to see if the Braves are setting a precedent for the rest of the league with what they're doing with guys like Michael Harris II right now, because not only did they sign him to an extension after you know in, like before his rookie season was even over, but they called him up after 43 games in Double A. Yeah, yeah. Which is like you know I really do wonder you know if teams want to win is that what's is that going to become the norm because i think if that becomes the norm with teams who want to win we're going to start seeing a really clear difference in teams that want to win versus teams that don't really care yeah yeah absolutely i mean the whole the thing about him yeah being in double a i think i think that was kind of a judgment call by atlanta and like I think we, t- we we talked a little bit even just this weekend about like how the Angels call it from Double A a bunch. Yes. And like sometimes that I mean a lot of the time it hasn't really worked out for them. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean these extensions and these extensions are like building a platform for success for the team for mm-hmm. like a decade, which is insane. <laughs> and like not a lot of teams are doing that. And I mean maybe it's just the Braves being. Braves thing, like we all agree that they're getting these guys for team friendly deals to sit yeah. to, to put it modestly. Like these guys are getting absolutely robbed in in potential paydays. I think Austin Riley is really the only one that you could consider having gotten his worth yeah. in his contract. Like Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris, uh, Ozzy Albies. Like you could very well say that all of them are underpaid on their yeah. current deals. Um, but you look at 
what they've been doing, and maybe teams have been doing this, and the players are just saying no to them like you would expect them to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I imagine that is the case. I mean, um, actually, funnily enough, I think Jared Kelnick did that. Like, he re- didn't he reject... Oh, that's tough. ...an early, like, a contract before he got into the majors. Some people, yeah, some people bet on themselves. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I'm sure that there's a lot of extension talk with guys like Michael Harris II that are that young and early into their careers that don't get talked about because, A, a lot of negotiations just don't go public, and B, because guys reject stuff. Like, I know that the Red Sox offered Mookie Betts five years and $100 million after 2016, Mm -hmm. uh, which, I mean, granted, you know, he had just finished second in the MVP voting and was establishing himself as a top player in the game. So, yeah, I'm not surprised he rejected that one, especially when you see what he got with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure this happens a lot. I mean, you know, I was at the Orioles game uh, with someone today, one of the fellow scholars of ours, and we were talking about, like, what are they going to do with Adley? Are they going to start negotiations right now? Yeah. Why not? Why shouldn't they at this point? Especially if his service time's already going to be further than they expected. Yeah. You know, you might as well do it now. You know, yeah. get that out of the way because Baltimore loves Adley Rushman already. They've loved him since he was drafted. He's been the symbol of hope for that franchise since the moment the Orioles really got the number one pick in the draft that year. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's gone up and already been producing. I'm pretty sure he's already the team leader in wins above replacement on both websites. Yeah. Uh, when he came up in, like, June. Yeah, right, right, right. And also struggled until June 15th. That was really when he started going off. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Like, teams are gonna, you know, stay with the Mariners and Julio. Yeah. Like, they might want to consider getting on that soon. Right, right. Like, you know, like the... The Yankees with Anthony Volpe when he comes up, especially if they let Judge walk. You know, if Anthony oh, yeah. Volpe comes up and delivers early, like guys like Rodriguez and Rutschman are, you're gonna want like Yankee fans are gonna want to see that extension soon because, especially if Judge leaves, they don't want to have to go through that whole process again. Right, right, exactly. Um, I'm looking for Michael Harris's contract breakdown on here. Yeah. Um, uh, I think. Some somebody definitely tweeted it out, but I mean, so if it's eight year, if it's if it's eight years plus two club options, then they have control of him through twenty thirty two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which he will be. Um, Michael Harris will be thirty two at that point. So, like, also what is happening with these Braves deals is they're buying out like the early 30s where like you know I, I think a lot of the times free agents are 28 29 and teams are kind of wondering like oh you know is the production in his early 30s going to be worth the downfall in his later 30s when this contract is going to end yep and the Braves are putting them in a position where they don't have to worry about that they're going to have Michael Harris they're they're going to have the option to keep Michael Harris until 2032 uh, when he's indeed uh, thirty, yeah, thirty-two years old, um, and they're you know once he's once he's done, there's not going to be really an option for him to get a long-term contract unless he's a crazy superstar at that point. Um, so I think that's also a good thing that the Braves do is they're 
signing these guys into their early 30s, and then they don't have to worry about trying to get get him on an eight-year deal that might not work out in the future, which is, that's that's one of the better things that's, that the Braves are doing, not only just getting them at a cheap price. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, Braves signed... Uh, Michael Harris Michael II. Harris II. They blocked him up. He's 22. He's for, the youngest player in the league, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and there's a guy who's 42 who's tearing it up right now. Yeah, yeah. His, his name's Albert Pujols. We think he's, well, he's officially 42. Was um, Michael Harris alive when Pujols debuted? Um, I, there might have been a... April of t- 2001. Um, April of 2001. Right, that was when Pujols debuted? Yeah, that's when he debuted. Uh, I have to look at Michael... I mean, he was alive for sure, but I mean, not very old. Uh, yeah, Michael Harris... Or no, Michael Harris is 21. Yeah, so I was going to say, he's definitely not 22. Yeah, so he's he's going to be signed through his age 31 <laughs> season. if With the club options, of course. With which, the, I mean... Well, signed through 29, then club options take over and he's... Which, unless something disastrous happens, yeah, I can't see why the Braves would not pick up that club option. Right, right. Because that's cheap. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he, Michael Harris, was about a month old when Albert Pujols debuted. Wow. Um, but Albert Pujols, in his last eight games, as we record, um, is uh, we're recording Saturday night, by the way. So all these stats are as of Saturday night. Disclaimer on the front of mm-hmm. all our stats. Um, Albert Pujols has six home runs in his last eight games. Uh, I mean, in general, he's been tearing it up against lefties the whole year. Um, he has eleven home runs on the year, or thirteen home runs on the year. He's at six ninety two, eight away from seven hundred. What have you thought about Albert Pujols tearing it up? It's pretty week? cool. I mean, like, if he can end his career by going on a run and actually getting to 700, he's at 692 right now, by the way. Um, he had a two-home run game and counting uh, against the Diamondbacks tonight. Uh, he homered, I believe, last night or at least a couple nights ago to get to 690. Um, the chase for 700 is alive and well, and yeah. I don't think either of us thought it could have been this year, which is just very cool. Cardinals are up 7-4. In the sixth, Pools in general, uh, his numbers against lefties this year are like one of the best in the majors. I'll take a look real quick, but um, this is just really good for baseball if he can actually get there because uh, he's currently at 13 home runs this season. I don't think we could have predicted it. Yeah, and it's a good thing where like fans that may have maybe lost touch with the game over the past couple of years, like. They have something to root for with Albert Pujols, like you know, everybody. Everybody kind of roots for Albert Pujols, except for maybe like Cubs fans. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, Albert Pujols, like, yeah, you do love to see it from any type of perspective. I mean, he's definitely a guy. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be uh, pushing for his unanimity in the Hall of Fame when he gets there, or yes. when he gets to the election, um, and. Uh, it would be cool to, I mean, definitely the chase to be fourth in the home run race, very, very much alive and well. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah. that's He only needs four more to tie A-Rod and five more to beat him. Yeah, which is, uh, that's fun. I mean, 
most people like Albert Pujols more than they like Alex Rodriguez, so that's something to root for. Um, and then, yeah, of course, uh, the chase for 700 and being only the fourth member to do that, uh, that's, there's a lot of, a lot of fun things there to root for, for sure. Yeah. Um, and while the Cardinals are very much alive and well in a playoff race, they're leading the division, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Like, you can, you can go out with a bang this year. So, this is entering tonight. And these stats have definitely changed for the better since because I know his first home run of the night was off Madison Bumgarner. Uh, his second home run, uh, my or yeah, okay, he hit two home runs off Bumgarner tonight. So he, you know, that's obviously a lefty. And um, well, that's not a Pujols homer. Um, anyway, going into tonight, Albert Pujols has had 94 plate appearances against lefties. He's slashing 358, 404, 691 for a 1096 OPS. Yeah. That is, uh, that's good. <laughs> in case you don't know, but I think you in do. In case you didn't know. Yeah. And, and that's going to get better tomorrow. Uh, he has a 196 weighted runs created plus versus lefties. That ranks fourth among the 169 hitters with at least 90 plate appearances against lefties. Uh, the only person better in the NL is Paul Goldschmidt, his teammate. Oh, and Austin Riley. Um, he's probably going to move up to third tonight because Altuve is eight points ahead. I think he's going up by at least eight points. I don't think he's catching Riley or Goldschmidt tonight. Goldschmidt's at 282. Yeah, that 282 is nuts. Oh, my goodness. He has a 1398 OPS against lefties. Yeah. That is so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just looking at that, too. Yeah, Pujols. Yeah, and he's third in entering Saturday. Third in OPS out of the 169 batters with 90 plus plate appearances against lefties, 10 yeah 1096 OPS as you mentioned, and yeah that's going up pretty far. That's going to be like probably mid 1100s um, by uh, by the time these stats come out. Yes. On Sunday, um, yeah it's it's a it's it's just fun. It's just fun milestones. Love it. Yeah. Um, just a nice round number to it as well. Like it's the last time, the last time someone hit seven hundred had to have been Bonds, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. And you know, obviously people have mixed opinions on Barry Bonds, and that's whatever. But the last time someone hit seven hundred, and I think everyone was happy about it, was probably Ruth, because I know there are some people that were definitely not happy with Aaron, but I think most of the baseball world was. I think more yeah. people were happy with Aaron than they were with Bonds. Yeah. Um, and that was a whole different issue, but. You know, yeah. most most real baseball fans that actually care and aren't awful people were also, happy with Aaron. Also, and when, that was in the nineteen seventies, early nineteen seventies. Also, when Ruth hit seven hundred, it probably wasn't even that big of a thing because it's like he was in another world. Like six hundred was crazy, five hundred was like three hundred was crazy to yeah. do at that time. Yeah, I was saying like, they were probably they were probably like numb to the the accolades at that point it was like ricky henderson's 1400th stolen base yeah it was like oh yeah yeah <laughs> of course um so this might be the most unifying 700th home run for the history of baseball yeah like you know obviously like cubs fans will probably root against him because you know he's tortured them throughout the years and whatever cubs cardinals classic rivalry yeah yeah but like i think everyone will appreciate it except for like maybe angels fans <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that might be the one group of people that's like I do not want to see it. Like I don't want to be, want to be reminded. Yeah. Um. 
That might be, yeah. That might be. Honestly, if our pools doesn't get unanimous Hall of Fame vote, my bet would be it's some Angels writer. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Probably the case, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I agree. It would be very unifying. I mean, if you just go on social media, you see the reaction and yeah. everybody's, everybody's pumped. Like, that's a special kind of thing. I mean, like, you know, don't get me wrong, it's all special, but, you know, we've seen plenty of 3,000th hits in the last decade. You know, Jeter, A-Rod, Ichiro, uh, Beltre, Pujols, Cabrera. Like, it's, you know, obviously it's a very cool moment when it happens, but it has happened quite a bit. I mean, most people probably don't even remember when Mickey got his this year. Uh, yeah. Not most people. Most people do, but... Remember that time Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit this year? If you're if you're listening to this, do you remember what the hit was? Yeah. You might not. I can tell I just, you it was a it was a bloop single to right. Yeah, it was a bloop single to right. It was a day game. Yeah, against the Rockies in April. Yeah, <laughs> it was very early in the season, a little uh, forgettable. Yeah. Um, but forgettable had, for a like forgettable circumstances. For forgettable circumstances. Yeah, not like, a forgettable player. Yeah, no, not a forgettable player, not a forgettable play in general, but. Had the circumstances to be forgettable. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, so, I mean, Pujols would be is definitely a nominee for what we have in store. But uh, yeah. we're gonna be doing players to highlight good and bad reasons, starting with the good um, for our for our uh, Saturday. 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 Well, actually, I guess technically Sunday. it's dropping on Sunday. So Sunday, August twenty first. 2022 edition of How About That? Um, who do you have for us today? So my How About That uh, is knocking a team off the list. I love that. We're only we're only uh, one team away from finishing it now. Uh, and I'm talking about Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. He recently won Player of the Week. And uh, he's been doing it for two weeks now. Since August 8th, he is slashing 421, 500, 842 for a 1342 OPS with a 276 weighted runs created plus, the second best among the 191 qualifiers in the majors. Among those same qualifiers, his average ranks third, OBP ranks second, slugging ranks third, OPS ranks third, and strikeout rate is sixth lowest. He's only struck out 6.8% of the time. Yeah. Uh, he also went one for four with a single today. Yeah. Worth noting. Yeah. But this doesn't count that. Uh, also, his walk-to-strikeout ratio is 2, and it ranks 5th highest. Uh, before this span, 32.1% of his bad balls had a launch angle below 0 degrees. And in this span, it is down to just 20%, so that's gone down by 12%. Uh, over this span, he's hitting the ball in the air more, which has been good for him. During this span, his hard, rate, his hard hit rate of 57.1% ranks tied for 13th highest among the 142 hitters with at least 25 batted balls since August 8th, and he also has a 903 slugging percentage against righties during this time, which ranks second highest among the 353 hitters with seven plate appearances against righties, and Vinny has 35 in this time, so that's five times the qualifier. Uh, and he also has slashed five, 455, 500, 1045, 1545 uh, at home. In 24 plate appearances during this time. That's at Kaufman. That's a hard part to hit in. Yeah. And that slugging percentage leads the 160 hitters with at least 16 plate appearances at home. And his OPS and 331 weighted runs created plus both rank second. So 
Vinny Pasquantino has been killing it for the Royals, and I think the good thing to take away from this Royals season, you know, on paper it's kind of just been the status quo set for every year since probably like 2017 or 18, but we're at least starting to see what the future of the Royals looks like with yeah. guys like Vinny Pasquantino, also guys like Nick Prado, Brady Singer, MJ Melendez, of course Bobby Wood Jr. You know, the future core is starting to show itself in Kansas City. Absolutely. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino. Yeah, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, I've I've had my eyes on him for a little bit, like not even when he was doing well, but when he was getting he was getting Babbitt. He was, hard. yeah. And now he's not getting Babbitt, which is uh, pretty fantastic. And yeah, I mean, what should have been happening is now happening. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, very, I mean, he's also just an anomaly of like, such a big power guy and a low, low strikeout rate. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. As a as a 245 pound first baseman, the foolish, also. foolish baseball compared him to Mookie Betts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty fair. Yeah, and and he he was also on um, uh, when Jeff Passan hosted baseball uh, tonight. I, I didn't listen to the yeah. whole podcast, but I saw a highlight, and it was like, I mean, it's it, it is an anomaly. Let's like we have to acknowledge that for sure, mm-hmm. and we'll see how long it keeps going. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's funny because I was I was thinking about so yeah before last episode you asked um, it's like oh who what teams have we still not done uh, and I was like I was thinking for sure you were gonna do the guy I'm about to do which is not the same guy that you're doing but it is a royal okay I know what you're doing then uh, and you mentioned him and like you know he's he's part of this rebuild process and part of the future that the Royals are hoping to have talking about Brady Singer um right-handed pitcher uh you know he had a decent rookie campaign he fell off in his sophomore campaign which was last year um and you know started this year off not too hot but now now he's looking to be he's looking like he should should uh should be looking like especially at this point in his career uh Brady Singer in his last seven starts he has a 183 ERA and a 269 FIP in 44 and a third innings pitch out of 85 qualifiers in the span, his ERA ranks ninth, and ninth, and his FIP ranks 14th uh, out of 85. His strikeout rate has gone from 23% before the span to 29% in the span. His whiff rate has gone from 22% to 29%. Um, and his slider, in particular, uh, he's gotten much better results results off of that. His slugging percentage on his slider, uh, his slugging percent, or, or his slugging percentage against his slider, has gone from 4.27 before the span to 2.28 in the span. And overall, from last year to this year, uh, this includes the whole year. His strikeout minus walk percentage has gone from 13.3 percent to 19.1 percent, um, which is a 5.8 percent increase. I think, funnily enough, I think uh, I think Kevin Gosman said one of the goals of the Giants staff when he was there was like a strikeout minus walk rate of nineteen percent. Yep, and that's that's where Brady Singer's at, and he's also I should mention in the seven start span he's only given up two home runs as well, which is uh, uh, very good very good to see from uh, from Brady Singer. So yeah, Brady Singer. How about that? It's a Royal Rumble for how about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I was. Uh, now uh, we need. Now we need the big red was, scare to finish it off. I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I was. Yeah, a lot of my how about that is trying to think of who you're not going to do. <laughs> no, me too. It's like... Uh, it's, it's almost like we're playing like mind games with each other. Because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, I'll, I'll go through a certain span, I'll see someone who clearly stands out, I'm like, that one seems too obvious. <laughs> yeah, and also like when I was looking at stuff, I, I was thinking of Vinny Pascantino, and it's like that's an obvious royal to do, and I was like... I think Daniel might get that. Like, I think he might do that. And that was <laughs> but right then it's on. like, well, what if Chris thinks it's obvious, so he's also not going with it, and he's just not getting his recognition? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in football, where it's like the defense tries to, like, or like the offense tries to predict what the defense will do and, like, react accordingly. Like, yep. oh, I think they're going to go blitz here. Let's uh, <laughs> tighten yep. up the coverage. Yep. <laughs> or, like, it's a... It's an 0-2 pitch, and it's like, he's definitely going curveball here, and you watch a fastball right down the middle. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Now we're going from the highs to the lows. We're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Sunday, August 21, 2022 edition of... Slightly alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? So, we never created a term for this, but I am using one of my players to watch uh, as a slightly alarming... I see. Yes. Yeah. I'm talking about Brandon Belt who was one of the top sluggers in the game between 2020 and 21, and he just has not continued that magic this season. But since August 7th, he's slashing 059, 220, 088, 308. Uh, both his average and slugging rank third worst among the 185 qualifiers, and his minus one weighted runs created plus ranks seven worst. During the span... 16.7% of his batted balls have had an exit velocity below 55 miles an hour. That's a lot. Let me say that again. During this span, 16.7% of his batted balls have had an exit velocity below 55 miles an hour. That somehow ranks tied for 5th highest among the 176 or 167 qualifiers uh, with at least 10 batted balls since then. It doesn't help that he literally has 24 batted balls over the span. That does suck. Yeah, that's the worst. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, because baseball savant goes 0, 10, 25, 50, yep. 100, 150. <laughs> anyway, um, dating back to July 21st, which is a little bit, which is a different span, 44.6% of his batted balls have had a launch angle above 33 degrees, which that might sound like a complete cherry pick, but... Uh, the sweet spot is considered 8 to 32 degrees, so that is just above the sweet spot. That's 44.6% of his batted balls, uh, and that is the second highest rate among the 207 hitters with at least 50 batted balls. Uh, on such batted balls, he is batting and slugging 040, which means he has one hit, and that one hit was a bunt. Oh, boy. Yeah, the shift was on. He bunted down the third baseline. It was popped up, but it was down the line enough. Yeah. Uh... We've had some lot of we've heard a lot of great conversations about the shift this week, Chris. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, his twenty six point four percent launch angle ranks the second highest uh, on that same list of two hundred seven qualifiers since July twenty first, and his fourteen point three percent pop up rate ranks twelfth. So Brandon Belt, he's getting the ball in the air too much, and Matt Olson almost just hit a home run to the same spot that uh, I think Dansby hit that one home run in Game Four. In the uh, World Series last we're year. We're walk off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt. Slightly alarming. Yeah, he's getting the ball in the air a little too much. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Which 
believe is the uh, second time I've highlighted him on Slightly Alarming, and the last time I did it, he immediately turned it around, and I literally talked about uh, what was, like, I did, talked about, like, how he was, uh, it was, like, the start of when the Illustrator came out, and I was really starting to use it, and it was, like, one of the first, like, Illustrator tweets I ever had, where it was, like, hey, look at his batted balls since uh, this date, and it was, like, only one batted ball of above 45 degrees when there was, like, 10 beforehand. <laughs> yeah, so I do have some very fond memories of Britain Belt uh, yeah. hitting the ball too far in the air. <laughs> um, my slightly alarming uh, stays in the NL West. Uh, it's a, it's another starting pitcher, um, as I did a starting pitcher uh, for How About That. Um, it's a, a team, it's a player that uh, the Padres acquired uh, mm-hmm. this past offseason. 2021, slightly alarming. Yeah. It's, no. uh, it's Sean Manaya. Um, in his last eight starts, he has a 6.87 ERA and a 5.57, or 5.75 FIP in 38.0 innings pitched. In this span, out of 124 pitchers with 30-plus innings, uh, his ERA is fourth worst. His FIP is fifth worst. He's also given up 2.4 home runs per nine in this span, which is the third worst Home runs per nine out of 124. Uh, and then out of 111 pitchers with 100-plus batted balls against, his expected Woba against in the span is fourth worst. Uh, you know, basically top top 4% worst. Um, his hard hit rate has gone from 38% before the span to 48% in the span. Uh, his barrel rate has gone from 6.7% before the span to 11.9% in this span. Uh, you know, MLB average barrel rate is around 7%, and he's given up barrels at about a 12% rate. Um, his barrel rate in this span is fourth highest out of the 111 pitchers with the with the 100-plus batted balls against them. And in his last five starts particularly, uh, Manaya's slugging against his sinker is 721. Uh, hitters are, hit, are slugging 721 after they were slugging 369 off of it in his previous 17 starts. So it went from 369 to now 721 in, in his last five starts. Uh, out of the 50 pitchers to throw 100-plus sinkers in the span, Manaya's slugging against his sinker is the highest, and he's thrown 210 sinkers. The minimum was 100, so that's how you know. I mean, extremely large sample size for that. For that group and along with that he has a 23.3% barrel rate against his sinker which is the highest rate among 29 pitchers with 25 plus batted balls on sinkers um, so Sean Manaya uh, really been disappointing over uh, basically since the start of July um, and you know not great when they uh, when they planned to have him be a bigger acquisition uh, this past offseason, so yeah, Sean Manaya. Slightly alarming. I just realized we could have also called the, the How About That's a Royal Flush. A Royal Flush. That probably would have been a lot better. <laughs> uh, Mike, Going back to a previous topic, Mike Petriello just had this tweet. Uh, in the month of August, Chris, guess what percent of all pitches Albert Pujols has seen that have come against lefties? What percent of all pitches all seen pitches? have come against lefties um, in the month of August? In the month of August. Is it... Is it full on 100%? No. Okay. It's, is it like uh, 80%? 70%. Oh, 
74 74%. 74%. <laughs> yeah. 74.2% of all pitches Albert Pujols has seen have come against lefties, which, uh, if you want to take a look at this month by month. Oh, wow. Yeah. It went from uh, 48.5% in March slash April, 27.9% in May, 38.1% in June, 38.2% in July, and then 74.2% in August. <laughs> so they are exclusively only pitching, throwing him to lefties, which makes sense because that's, I mean, he's a far below league average hitter against righties, but he's a, a top-of-the-line hitter against lefties. You know he has like a 500 slugging percentage overall this year at age 42? Yeah. That's, that's so wild. sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Albert Pujols. Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's doing much better than we expected this year. That is for sure. Um, in terms of previews of the week, I mean, we don't really have much to preview. We're gonna skip this one. Skip it this episode. Skip this one, as you know, we're we're the we're we're talking baseball kind of whenever, and today mm-hmm. is kind of whenever. Yeah. Uh, because we've been busy the past few days. Um. So, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you wanna. First of all, uh, you know, thank, thanks to some of the people that helped get us to Sabre 50. Uh, Marty Dobrow wrote, uh, our professor Marty Dobrow, he wrote both of our um, letters of recommendation to get this scholarship to, to get us here without having to uh, pay any money. So big shout out to uh, Marty Dobrow there yeah. and, you know, all of our professors for uh, their support. And if we met you at Sabre 50 and you're listening to this, shout out to you. Yes, shout out to you. Much, much appreciated. You should, you should be appreciated because if you're, if you're here, you probably, you definitely belong here. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I hope you liked your first episode of AR. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I mean, if you want to get a, a, a better look at, uh, general, ARR highlights um, you know go to the YouTube channel look at playlists go to the baseball history series also check out some of our interviews with uh, Sarah Langs Chris Rose Mark Simon multiple times and of course Jeff Passan which was uh, earlier in our as well as uh, Tristan Casas Connor Wong Jamer Candelario yes yeah. uh, at, uh, at Polar Park in Worcester yep um, good all good stuff and uh if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time where we where we will be talking uh, all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>